You are listening to the Quest for Wholeness podcast, a biopsychosocial spiritual guide. If you're interested in the human experience, health, wholeness, and how everything is interconnected, then you are in the right place. In this show, we will explore the interconnected realms of health that lead to whole human beings. My name is Lexi Burrs, and I'm passionate about holistic well-being, longevity, and I'm armed with an education in psychology. I'm so grateful to have you here with me. Welcome to a Quest for Wholeness podcast. Coming up on a Quest for Wholeness podcast. I was in like grade six, we'll say. And I remember specifically this one kid called me fat and I had a crush on this kid. And that forever just like shift me because then I instantly started to view my body so differently. And so then that started me kind of, like I said, being aware of my body, kind of looking at healthy eating and stuff. Cassie Burlingette is a certified fitness and nutrition coach, specializing in empowering women to reach their goals and boost confidence. With over eight years as a pro fitness competitor, her journey began at 15, overcoming fad diets and personal struggles. At 21, she embraced a healthy lifestyle, becoming a certified coach, and transitioned to full-time coaching from home. Balancing roles as a wife and mom to two fur babies, she recently paused competing due to family challenges, reshaping her view on holistic health. Cassie is currently pursuing additional education in pre- and postnatal coaching, and she's passionate about dancing, journaling, learning, creativity, music, and connecting with people. Cassie and I have known each other for about 10 years. We met through a mutual friend uh, here in Alberta when I came to Alberta for the first time for my 18th birthday. We reconnected about four years ago when I saw all the cool things she was doing on Instagram through competing and working with clients, and I was experiencing a bit of a exercise and nutrition plateau myself and needed a little bit more accountability so I started working with Cassie and I've learned so much from her from exercising and taking a more balanced approach to my health my exercise and my food and I'm so grateful to have had that time working with her and how cool is it that we get to reconnect on this podcast it feels like a full circle moment here we go with Cassie Burlingette I would love to start this conversation by having you share your view on being healthy, as I know this has changed for you and how that influences your coaching approach and personal life. Yeah. So, okay. Healthy for me used to mean, uh, you know, tracking every macro to a T, hitting the gym every single day, having abs. And it was more of like an aesthetic view. Like if I was looking quote unquote healthy, then I was healthy. Now things have totally shifted for me, especially over the last, I would say like two years. Health to me means like so much more. It's like your relationship with yourself, but also also with others, you know, being present with people because I used to use fitness as kind of now I realize a distraction from being present and sitting with myself and my thoughts, um, which wasn't healthy, obviously. So yeah, having time to be creative, having time for play, spending time with loved ones, obviously living a healthy lifestyle, but also still allowing myself balance. You know, I'm not shaming myself if I go and have a couple drinks or if I have a donut midweek, it's like, I'm just focusing a lot more on balance and not just in health and fitness, but also my whole life, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I'm hearing from you is like kind of that balanced approach. How do you still feel healthy and well and, and do the things that you, you like to do and want to do in those moments? So how has that paradigm shift for you changed your coaching approach? Okay. So I think when I first started coaching, I was very, um, years ago, I was very like, it was like more black and white, right? Like I was like, this is the program you have to follow. And when clients didn't follow it, I'm like, what are you doing? Like for, cause for me, I was like, I follow every single thing. I will cross off everything and get it done. And I was just very disciplined that way. So I just kind of thought that had to be shifted over into my clients. And when they weren't, I was like, what is happening? Like, just do it. It's not that hard, you know? Um, and then as I kind of grow and evolve as a person and an adult and as a coach, I realized that there's like so many other factors that go into coaching. You know, it's like, you know, I might be dealing with a mom who has three kids and maybe her relationship isn't well. And so it affects her emotional state and her mental state. Maybe I have someone who's been chronically dieting for years. And so to be on a plan is kind of scary for them. And it makes them kind of, you know, feel like they're going back into that restrictive binge kind of cycle. So I've kind of just approached it in, in a way where not everyone is the same. Everyone is their own. And I have to approach that as a coach a lot differently. So I think that's kind of been the biggest shift for me is moving from, like I said, a black and white to now kind of approaching it as each person is their own. I need to look at like, what's their stress levels like? What's their lifestyle like? What is their emotional state like? Maybe they don't need to track macros at all. Maybe we just focus on protein and balancing out things. Maybe they can only be in the gym two days a week because they're a busy mom. Maybe they can be in the gym five days a week. So I think that's been the biggest shift for me. Um, and just honestly feel more of like a therapist lately than I do. (laughs) Um, but I think that comes with the territory. So it's all part of it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, just uh, from personal experience, I was a client of yours for over <laughs> a year. And, um, you know, it, it it's a very intimate process. Actually, you wouldn't think so because you're like, oh, this is just my fitness and health coach. But as you were saying that you've kind of realized and learned is there's all of these factors that play into somebody's ability to follow these programs for one, but also their capabilities, even if they have the desire to, there's these external factors that might be inhibiting them from um, following the plan or, or achieving those goals. So it sounds like there's more recognition of that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I'm also more not that I wasn't forgiving before, but I think now I'm more forgiving in the sense where, okay, I'm like, what's going on right now? Let's try to sh- troubleshoot this together versus me just being like, well, you need to follow the program, right? Which is maybe eight years ago is how I kind of looked at things. Um, now I'm kind of like, let's troubleshoot this together. Maybe we need to take a step back from things and let's do things differently for you, right? So like if you're busy, someone who's busy going to school, they don't have time to be with the stress levels of studying, like, you know, uh, yep. going to the gym. So maybe we need to switch from your cardio being high intensity to just like steady state when you can. Um, let's work on like lowering your nervous system a little bit and your stress levels, because we know ultimately <laughs> the higher the stress, the uh, the further you are going to get from your goals. So that's kind of, I guess, how I've shifted things a little bit, which, you know, firsthand with how that works. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about that troubleshooting process. I feel like that's probably where your, um, therapist feelings come in is in, in those, um, instances, because 
obviously these people are paying you um, for your service and you want them to succeed, of course. So what does, what does that conversation begin to look like when somebody maybe isn't kind of meeting the goals that you together have set out and how, how do you approach that? So it's definitely different for everybody. Um, a lot of times it just comes down to me asking questions. I find a lot of times when someone's going through something and they're not able to follow the program, it comes off as the check-ins are sent with like very little info. It's like they just send the pictures, the measurements, and it's it. I don't get a, I don't get like a statement of like how the week was, you know what I mean? Like I love info and that helps me be a better coach, but that's when I'll start to notice someone's maybe kind of pulling back on things. Maybe the progress starts to stall. They're not really giving me much info. So I'll email them back and just be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, can you give me some info of how your week was? And then they kind of unload, or maybe sometimes they're still a little bit reserved. And I say, well, let's book a call and let's chat about things instead. And the calls are where I usually feel like that's where I can get a lot more info out of people and they can kind of break that shell. Um, and then from there, that's when we figure out a plan. Like I said, maybe it's, we scale it back on the training. Maybe we don't focus so much on the macros. It's more so focus on getting your protein intake in and just get in the carbs and fats where you can and just focus on the protein for now. That's what's going to stress you out less. So it really depends on the person, but it just comes down to me kind of digging a little bit and, uh, just trying to open up with them a little bit and just knowing that it's a safe space for them. Also, that's the biggest thing I think mm. is I don't want people to feel like I'm judging them at all because I'm not, I want, I just want to know kind of where you're coming from so I can help. And there's never any judgment. And I just kind of, you know, only go with what they have the capacity for. So. Oh, I love that you brought that up, <laughs> that safe space, because um, again, from a client perspective, especially when you're not doing well, that can be a pretty triggering place to mm. go to. And, yeah. you know, you're kind of things can come up for you that you didn't really know were an issue. So uh, I just love that you, um, you you keep that in mind for your clients and it definitely shows through. So <laughs> obviously we've talked about how you know, things have evolved and changed for you in the last little bit, but I kind of want to go way back. So you um, have competed, you did bodybuilding, killed it in that area. So I want to talk about more about how your past experiences um, also have together shaped your coaching approach too. Yeah, for sure. So I think even if I look back on like when I was just a young kid, I was always in sports. So from a young age, I was very disciplined. I was in competitive gymnastics and rugby and ringette and motocross. And so all these things were really high intensity and I had to be committed. And I also had to have discipline. So from a young age, I was very aware of my body. And also I knew what hard work looked like. And then fast forward to getting a little bit older, I, um, I think so when I started to kind of take a step back from like sports and became more interested in like boys and like having fun and all that stuff, I think I was in like grade six, we'll say. And I remember specifically this one kid called me fat and I had a crush on this kid and that forever just like shift me because then I instantly started to view my body so differently. And so then that started me kind of, like I said, being aware of my body, kind of looking at healthy eating and stuff. And uh, being in a household where my mom was also a very healthy person, she was a competitor in the past as well. I kind of, you know, became fixated on like diet culture at a very young age. And I remember in junior high, uh, we did a, in health class, a report on eating disorders. And I remember learning about bulimia 
And that literally shifted me too, because I kind of went through an, a, a time where like, I was like binging and restricting and like actually like purging. And that was in junior high, which is like wild to think about. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, I remember like hiding it from my friends and uh, I literally didn't tell anybody until probably like, like I was an adult. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I remember like being out with friends and I would ask to stop at a bathroom after we had just gone out for dinner, we're driving home, asked to stop at a restaurant so I could, or like a gas station so I could go to the washroom. And I would literally go in there and like make myself puke, which is like wild. And it was just normal to me in my brain. Like I was like, yeah, but I was also very shameful of it because I didn't tell anybody. Um, and then I kind of got more into like the diet culture I tried literally every fad, fad diet you could think of before I was 18, like the HCD diet. Um, we did, I did um, like 1200 calories at like 16 too, which is crazy. And actually the HCG diet was 500 calories a day and you're taking HCG, which is like a hormone. I, I found yeah. out just because of my mom. So I'm, I'm like 15, 16 years old, taking a pregnancy hormone, eating 500 calories, playing sports, going to the gym. And so in, I remember in 30 days I had lost like 20 pounds. It was wild. And I was working at Fabutan at the time and uh, at the front desk. So I'd have regular clients come in and they would be like, wow, you look amazing. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this thing, blah, blah, blah. So then all of a sudden the dopamine in my brain is like, wow, I look great. I should like keep doing this. Right. So you do it for the full month. It was absolutely atrocious. It was like, I don't remember what our breakfast was. Nothing really. It was very small flank steak. There was peppers and apple and like apple and Melba toast. I don't, you don't, know, I don't know what that is. No, you'll, you'll see them in the aisles in the grocery store. Now it's like little, like dried toast crackers if that oh makes sense. I yeah they're kind of like that big sort yeah of thing. yeah and yeah. they're very hard they're not good at all and it was just mm -hmm. very plain you also weren't allowed to work out for obvious reasons because it was like because 500 calories but I was, out. yeah yeah I was still doing sports though so anyways get to the end of this 30 days and me and my mom are all pumped we like finish this right well then I go back to eating how I did before and in 30 days, I had gained 30 pounds back, which then also went back into me being like, I need to crash diet. And then I would binge on the weekend and crash diet and binge on the weekend. And it was this constant state of that for probably a couple of years. Um, and being in my household and my mom doing diets regularly, like she didn't really see an issue with it, right? Like she wasn't, she didn't have the knowledge to be like, oh, this is unhealthy. Like, I don't think you should be doing this. So it was just kind of normal. So took in all that in. Then I decided at 18 to do my first bodybuilding competition with my mom. And so we prepped for that. Um, and it was good. I placed well. I actually loved it because I had the structure. I had the meal plan. I had weekly check-ins with my coach and posing and I got first place and then fresh 18 afterwards, I just graduated and now we're going to go out and party. And then again, a month after I had dieted again, gained 30 pounds. So then that was kind of the end of my like competing for a while. And then I had a few years there, which is probably when we would have met <laughs> of just like partying, uh, going aggressive in the gym and then partying on the weekend. It was kind of like that spiral again. So I had all of that previous. And then um, now, now let's say I'm like 22 ish, meet my now husband. And I started my competing career again that way. And by that time I was kind of in a better place with food, but still very focused on my body, constant mirror checks, you know, things like that. Um, did my personal training 
and then became certified and started coaching that way. So all of those things in my past, I feel like have really shaped me as a coach now because I've done the crash diets. I've had the disordered eating. I know what body dysmorphia is and I have felt it myself. I know what it also comes, what it feels like to come from a family uh, or even in a relationship where someone doesn't respect you trying to make healthy decisions. So I feel like I've kind of gone through these things in my past on purpose, even though parts of them are really shitty to now make me a better coach and I'm able to help more people, if that makes sense. So kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but <laughs> I think all no, that it was made me a better coach. So <laughs> absolutely. And I just feel like, I guess, thank you so much for sharing that. I know you yeah. have been pretty public about sharing that, but I think it's important, right? Because shame can't exist in the light. And if we talk about these things, it's gone, right? Yeah. It's yeah. when we're hiding them. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of those experiences you've had are very common in mm -hmm. a lot of women and, and men. Let's let's not get that twisted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but women's experiences too, especially with the pressure from society to be thin and look a certain way. Um, oh, so I do feel like, yeah, all of those things did did happen so that you can have that holistic approach and and help people work through those things, which you do beautifully. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think everything happens for a reason. And uh, I think that, you know, I think the universe kind of puts you on a certain path in order to help people. And I think that's kind of been my path as kind of ugly as it was <laughs> previously. <laughs> I love that. And I mean, I sure hope so. I'm in this weird path myself right now. So <laughs> let's hope. Yeah. Um, so you competed with your mom when you were 18, kind of had a few years off, and then you got back into competing. Are you competing now? Or what, what does that look like in your life? So currently not competing. I um, quit, I guess it would have been last year after my last show. So last June. Um, and the reason I quit was I think that show and kind of the show previous, I started to kind of feel like my passion for it was dwindling a little bit. I had, was competing, you know, for eight years straight, almost, um, wow. doing one to shoot one to two shows per year. And so first off, that's really hard on your body, your hormones. Um, but yeah, I was just slowly losing the passion for it. Gym, going to the gym was my passion. I had so much fun doing it. I love being in there. I could be in there for three hours at a time. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to leave kind of thing. And then it just started to feel more and more like a chore. Like, and I think where it started to shift for me, it was, is, um, I started competing at a high level, which put more pressure on myself, but also I was putting all of my effort and that passion into pleasing someone else like the judges or my coaches and having to look a certain way so I wasn't necessarily able to train maybe the way that I wanted to train I had to train because I had to look a certain way so either it was I had to build up my glutes or I can't train my legs anymore because now I'm going to move up a category and we don't want to do that so it was very controlled versus before how it was like I was going to the gym for me and I was competing for me it kind of went away so that paired with um, last year, both my parents had gotten diagnosed with cancer <laughs> and, uh, the crazy thing is they're divorced. So that was just like wild. Wow. wow. Yeah, it was wild. So that whole thing happened. And so at that same time, I'm also planning a wedding cause we were engaged. I'm going through like a friendship breakup and it was just like everything all at once started to feel very heavy and competing kind of felt like, why the fuck am I doing this? When like, 
I'm taking all this time out of my whole year, basically, because when you're not in prep, you're still reverse dieting, you're focused on your new show. Um, You're not really present with the ones you love. And with my parents going through that, I was like, I need to be here for them. I don't know what's going to happen. So let's, you know, stop competing and just focus on this. So it was very hard. I felt like a part of my identity kind of was like ripped away for a little while. And I, it was like a weird time um, doing, you know, going with a, going through like an identity crisis and then also the stuff with my family. I've never cried so much in my life, but it was kind of like all the like built up tears that I had held in for the years. I felt like just like flowed out of me. (laughs) So it was good. Um, Both my parents are good now, which is good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. They both have also rare types of cancers, which is another weird thing. So they will kind of always have these types of cancers, but they'll be in kind of like a remissive state, which is good. So, um, but yeah, so that was kind of my step away from competing. And even though it was a hard shift now, I feel so good about it. And it's just nice because I'm able to, like I said, like actually take a step back and listen to my body, which I thought I was doing before, but mm-hmm. I really wasn't competing was a distraction for me. And it was something for me to kind of hide my emotions and hide the deeper work that I should have been doing earlier on um, and just kind of mask it with just go, go, go. I need to push harder and do this. Um, And the funny thing is, is the last two preps I had, I actually injured myself both times. Um, And I think that was actually my body telling me like, you need to slow the fuck down and just chill for a little bit. Right. So yeah, funny how that happens, but yeah, so not competing anymore and uh, just working out for me. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, I don't, I have like my favorite books here. There's this one. It's called When the Body Says No. Have you heard of it? No, but I'm so intrigued. Yeah, it's by Dr. Gabor Matei. He's actually a medical doctor out in Vancouver, but essentially it's how when we go and go and push ourselves for years and years and years, that's when these autoimmune conditions kind of arise. And that's the body saying, hey, hold up. I can't do this anymore. And so he really connects kind of that psychological experience with this biological um, symptoms that people are experiencing. So I think you'd really, you'd really like that book. It's funny that you say that because um, during this last prep, I actually developed psoriasis, which is autoimmune. And I've never had any skin condition before ever. And it developed in the weirdest places, like right here on my elbow, you can kind of see it's, uh, it used to be uh, like worse, but um, that inside my ear, like on the outside of my ear, I guess outside, it's like outside of my ear. So kind of on like the uh, lobe and then like the little like thing that kind of sticks out the conch, I guess, when you get it pierced and then around my nose. So the weirdest places and it's just like, I wasn't able to control it because my body was so stressed out from competing, but then also the, the family factors that were going on. Um, so it, it's just, yeah, it's very accurate. That book. I really want to read that. You should send that to me after. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that's, um, where I'm coming from with this podcast, right? Is essentially that how all of these experiences influence our health, whether it's psychological, whether it's the social things going on in our family, uncontrolled stress, our nervous system dysregulation. Um, Mm -hmm. it's all affecting one another. So, um, yeah, I think it's so great that again, not that you've gone through these experiences, of course, but, um, for your, your business and your clients, that's, that's invaluable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Stress regulation, I think over the last year has been like 
one of my main priorities with clients that I try to focus on. Like, like, you know, take extra rest if you need it. Don't feel shame that you can't go to the gym. Rest is going to benefit you more than hitting that extra cardio session. Or like clients will be like, I missed a, gym a, a day at the gym. Should I double up tomorrow? I'm like, no, I'm like, take an extra rest day. Do not double up. Right. Um, but that's just kind of that, like, I guess just kind of like just the environment we're in and kind of like the way that the fitness industry is like pushed on. I feel like everybody, but women, especially let's like do more and then you're going to see more, which is not how it is. So, yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, it's like a tallying up and then like a reducing it's like, okay, well I've gone to the gym three days in a row. So now I should be seeing this results. And then now I've missed a day. So now my tally is down, but in reality, that's not how it works at all. No, not at all. Actually complete opposite. I would say. Well, I think this brings us into um, what I really am excited to talk about is um, reverse dieting. I know you mentioned Ah. it previously. I had no idea what it was when I started working with you. And I was pretty skeptical and scared, fearful, I guess, (laughs) of um, this process. And then my mind was blown because I actually started achieving my goals. So I'm going to let you take it from there. Let's, uh, yeah, let's hear all about reverse dieting. Yeah. So it's, it's so funny because in the competing world, reverse dieting is like reverse dieting is king. Basically like you're going to see your most results for your next show if you reverse diet properly. And I know from, um, from personal experience with my very first bodybuilding show that I did with my mom when I was 18, our coach that we had didn't set us up for any type of reverse diet plan afterwards, like at all. And so me being fresh 18, I just ate whatever I wanted. I went back to eating how I did before I was dieting and coming out of a strict calorie deficit when your body's screaming for nutrients, screaming for calories, it's stressed out because you, you know, your body is just being, you know, driven with cardio and low calorie diet. It's screaming for these nutrients. So as soon as you go and eat normally, quote unquote, um, your body's just going to hold on to all those calories because it's like, we're starving. We don't know when we're going to get this much calories again. So let's just hold on to this because we're stressed the fuck out. Um, so then that's when I had gained like 30 pounds in like a month or whatever it was. And it was insane. So reverse dieting is exact opposite of that. <laughs> so when you come out of a dieting phase and your body is again, right, it's, it's stressed out, it's screaming for calories, you want to slowly increase your calories back up to your maintenance phase. So the same rate, essentially, that you dieted down um, to get into that calorie deficit and reach your goals is the same rate that you want to diet out. So for me, I like to go a very slow approach with clients doing this because I don't want to freak people out. Like you said, it's very nerve wracking, especially if you've been a chronic dieter in the past, adding in calories is like, whoa, like I'm terrified. I think I'm going to gain weight immediately, but it's not like that. And actually what I find for most clients is as soon as they start to reverse diet slowly, they actually either continue to drop weight um, or they start to see better results because they're able to push harder in the gym. They're gaining more muscle. Maybe the weight stays the same, but they're noticing more definition. Um, and so that kind of motivates them a little bit more to keep with the uh, the reverse diet. And so that's essentially what a reverse diet is. And it's, it basically helps you to keep the fat that you've lost 
manifest in your fat loss phase, but also increasing your calories, which is going to help increase your metabolism. Your body is able to handle more food once you reach that maintenance level. And then that's when people can come to a place where they don't really have to diet down again. They can, their body can handle more food. They've reached that like goal for themselves and they can kind of just intuitive eat, which is what I want to get all of my clients to. Like eventually I don't want my clients to need me, right? They should be able to go off on their own afterwards because they have the knowledge. So yeah, that's kind of a the answer for reverse dieting, but it's just like you said, a lot of people are so scared to do it. And so I can't force people to do a reverse diet. I can give them the knowledge that I have and, and, um, hope that they do a reverse diet, but at the end of the day, it has to be their choice. So the clients who do reverse diet always see a huge benefit and they're always happy that they do. So. Yeah. I think there's two kind of important things that I want to touch on there. The first is that metabolism piece, because once I started thinking about the metabolism in that way, I understood what the reverse dieting and eating more food was actually doing. So um, I, I don't know if there, there's something you want to say on that, but basically where the metabolism is at and how it's operating when you're in that super strict dieting phase and and how are we fixing it or bettering it when we do reverse dieting? Yeah. So good question. So basically what happens when you diet down to really low calories, our bodies are smart and they adjust. So that really low calorie now becomes your body's new like maintenance. And that's where it uh, basically thrives off. It learns how to manage itself off of those calories, which is why when women have been eating low calories for like basically their whole life, that's why they can't lose any more weight because where do you go after you've been eating for 1200 calories for the last two years, right? You're, you can't go any lower than that. And if you do, it's very scary and you should not. So the yeah. only reasonable thing to do because your body's adjusted down here is to slowly increase the calories. So you slowly increase your body adjusts, slowly increase your body adjusts. Um, and when I say adjust, I don't mean that your body fat is going with it. If it's a slow reverse, nine times out of 10, because your stress levels are coming down, you're feeding your body more food, you're going to actually either lose weight or stay there. So as you slowly increase the food, your metabolism is adjusting, right? It's able to handle the more food and you're just kind of speeding things up. Um, I think I maybe explained this to you too, is the way that I like to explain it to people is like your body is like a furnace. And so, right. So um, mm -hmm. think about like a fire or like a furnace, the more wood you throw on the fire or the furnace or however you want to look at it, uh, the harder it has to work to burn. And the same is kind of like your metabolism, which is why I tell people like a high protein diet is essential because protein is the hardest, um, or I'd say the slowest digesting macronutrient. So when you eat protein, there's a thermic effect to it. So your body actually has to heat up to digest the protein. So in turn, it's actually burning more calories, the more protein you eat, because it has that thermic effect, like I said, so not saying that eating a bunch of protein is going to automatically make you lose weight. <laughs> um, but just try to think of it um, in terms of the furnace. And that kind of makes it a little bit less scary for people when they think about a reverse diet and trying to raise your metabolism again. Absolutely. I love that. That was that furnace um, analogy that just like was like, okay, I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to try this. And then I started losing weight, which was yeah. unreal to me, right? Because again, if we're, I think the way that we've been trained by society, like women specifically, is that that tallying effect, right? Well, if I'm eating less, then I should be seeing these results. So when you start right. to eat more, it's really frightening because that math doesn't add up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dieting culture is like the math is not mathing here. Um, exactly. 
but yeah. And, and the, like you said, right. Once you start to see the progress, like you were, when you reverse that, it makes you more confident with it. It makes you more trusting of that process. So that is my biggest piece of advice. I would say if, if a client has been chronically dieting, just try to trust your coach and just take the mm. leap and just try it. Worst thing that happens is you're a month in and you're like, you're going complete opposite of what you wanted. Okay. Then you can stop, but just give it a try. And I honestly, like, I guarantee you're going to see so much benefit out of it. Your, your strength is going to improve. Your energy is going to improve. Your body composition is going to improve hormones. Like there's so many benefits from doing a reverse diet or even just taking that break from like dieting itself. So yeah, it's definitely worth it. Absolutely. I think also this leads me nicely into my next question. Um, there's many different people that come to work with you. I know you help some people who are kind of in the bodybuilding world and competing. You help get them prepped. You also um, help people lose weight or just live a balanced, healthy life. And there's so many, like it's a big demographic, I feel like, that you work with. So what's sort of the main need that you see clients coming in with? So I would say the main need that people come into me with is kind of maybe not something people would think, uh, they probably just think, Oh, it's fat loss, which yes. And no, I would say the main need that people come to me for is to like regain their confidence, which is why I kind of say that, like, mm. let me help you regain your confidence nine times out of 10. When I send people their info form, it's always like, I want to feel confident again. I want to feel good in my clothes again. I want to be able to feel confident in the gym again. Like it's always confidence related, um, which is really sad when you think about it because you have to think how long have these people been going through their day-to-day life, not feeling confident in these things that they want to feel confident in. So that is where I find is the biggest like need for my coaching. And the nice thing about that is, for me anyways, is like, that's not just, I'm not, I'm not um, putting myself in one box, which is just like the fat loss box, right? Confidence for some women is like, maybe they've been tiny their whole life and they want to gain muscle and they want to have more energy. Or maybe it's a mom who's postpartum and her focus really isn't fat loss, but she wants to have energy again to, you know, play with her kids and uh, focus on regaining her strength and, you know, uh, doing things for her pelvic floor. So yeah, the confidence thing for me is uh, where I see the most need for clients, which makes me happy because at the end of the program, I love when clients tell me that they feel more confident in their clothes or like they feel confident going into the gym and they're getting compliments from people. So that's, that's where I actually thrive with my coaching. So. Ah, well, I want to give you a moment to just flex on us about your amazing challenges and how those boost confidence for your clients who, um, who join them. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, for people who don't know, I host 12 week photo shoot challenges where, uh, my clients prep for 12 weeks. And then at the end, we celebrate with a big photo shoot. They get their hair and makeup professionally done and then photos to show off their hard work. And my challenges are structured where it's not like, okay, this is 12 weeks and uh, you're going to completely change your life. And it's the end all be all. That's not how I structure it. I want it to be kind of either like, this is the stepping stone for your journey. And I want you to use this as kind of like the starting point of building healthier habits, starting to feel confident to the gym, getting stronger, whatever your goals are which is why I have some people who do multiple challenges of mine because they started their journey with it and they want to continue to do another one. And they use the photos as kind of like their, uh, their proof of progress. So this was challenge one. This is where they were at. This was challenge two. This is where they're at in challenge three. It's not like a start, stop, start, stop. I want it to be kind of like a continuous um, cycle. And so most clients will do a challenge and then they'll continue on with coaching with me until the next challenge kind of thing. So 
Yeah. So fun. I love seeing all those pictures, especially the behind the scene ones on um, Instagram that you post, because you can just see the confidence that everyone's exuding. And wow, I, I really got to get on one of these challenges. I've been thinking about them <laughs> since last year, but I was in school. So yeah, got to yeah, really got to get it. You should. And I'm also giving clients the option to, if they, if the photo shoot is not necessarily their thing, um, I do give clients the option now to, if they don't want to do the photo shoot portion, because some people like getting their hair and makeup mm-hmm. done is like an ick. They're like, I'm a tomboy. <laughs> I, just, I don't even want to be there, uh, which I totally understand. So I give clients the option to, to take advantage of the deal that the challenge is and be a part of the group. So they still get like the community aspect, which is a big part of it. So um, in the Facebook group of the challenges, people share recipes, they ask questions, we support each other, you know, people can post their progress and cheer each other on. So I love having the community base as well. So I also give that as an option for people who don't want to do the pictures as well. So awesome. I love that. (laughs) So I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, what the process looks like working with your clients kind of in a way restructuring their approach to health and dieting and fitness and what kind of, um, tools that you use to help support them achieve their goals. So you have mentioned like macro tracking, um, Mm -hmm. that can be a little bit scary for people. So I want to talk about how you use that and then also how you adapt that for each client. Yeah. So, um, when a client wants to sign on with me, we either have a consult call or if they're like ready to go, we kind of, uh, have all the questions answered of where, what their goals are and stuff in email. I'll send them the info form. Um, we figure out kind of what's going to be best suited for them. So whether it's like we said, fat loss, maybe it's, they just want to build strength. Maybe they want to just have more energy and just be healthier. That kind of gives me an idea of kind of how I'm going to structure their macros. If that's the route they want to go. I do offer like more structured meal plan options, but I try not to promote it only because (sighs) meal planning is it's very strict. And I only try to save it for clients if they're like kind of in competing or they're, are very experienced dieter in the past and they're okay with being on a strict diet because it doesn't really teach you anything. Like if I send you, here's your meal plan and it's like, you know, this is your breakfast your lunch and your dinner. And that's what you eat. You're really good at following the plan, but afterwards you don't really know how to structure your own meals because you don't know, like, you don't know how much proteins in that chicken breast and I can put it on the plan, but you haven't actually figured it out on your own, gone to the grocery store. You're looking at nutrition labels. You know what I mean? So that's why I like to do macros because it actually teaches clients how to look at food and how to structure a, um, like their portion sizing and their meals. So when we start I just yeah. want to jump in here too for people who might be listening and has have no idea what, what we're talking about with macro tracking. Do you just want to give a little breakdown of of what that is and what oh, yeah. <clears throat> what exactly you're tracking? Yeah, good question. So uh macro stands for macronutrients. So basically you can't have calories without macronutrients. Macronutrients are your carbs, your fats, and your proteins. So carbs are um, four calories per gram, fats are nine calories per gram, and protein is four calories per gram. So that's why macros make up calories. So you can't have one without the other kind of thing. So macro tracking, so having a macro tracking plan and a meal plan, how you would structure them and build them as a coach is not really that different. The only thing is as a coach with a meal plan, you are telling, you are filling in those macros for your client and telling them what to eat. Macro tracking is I give you your numbers with some guidelines to follow. 
you know, what fiber intake to hit, how much water you're going to drink, 80-20 rule, which we can go over, um, uh, and you track your own food. So clients can use like MyFitnessPal. Um, there's another app that I actually wanted to check out uh, to track your macros, um, and you're able to structure it. So the benefits of doing the macros, like I said, is now you are the one who is building your meals. So you're learning how much protein is in that chicken breast or in that ground beef, or when you go out to a restaurant, you know, how much fat is actually in the food that you're eating. Um, some clients, you know, like to have drinks and I understand balance. So I teach them how to track their alcohol if they want and incorporate that. Um, so yeah, it really, it really helps them to, uh, like I said, learn the, the, the carbs, fats, and proteins that's in each meal, how to structure things on their own so that when we eventually get to that maintenance phase, now they can look at food and estimate without having to track. They understand it. They're able to estimate and uh, it actually teaches them some things versus just following a meal plan and you don't really learn as much. Absolutely. So you're, you're arming your clients for the skills that they need to succeed. Yeah, exactly. And my hope for clients is that they don't have to track macros forever. Like, but once you've been tracking for a while, it does give you the knowledge to, like I said, look at like maybe a chicken breast or like, ah, eh, that's probably about 30, 40 grams of protein. And you can estimate it that way. Or when you go out for dinner, uh, you can look at the menu and be like, I know that meal is going to have a ton of fat in comparison to this meal. Like a lot of people get when they start tracking macros, they're blown away that when they go to a restaurant and get a salad, because it has the nuts and the sauces and all that and the cheese it usually has way more fat than a burger. So that is like the, my favorite thing when clients go out to eat uh, and they're like, holy shit, I had no idea how much fat was in that. So it actually teaches them things. Absolutely. And when you start looking at those things, you're just like, you're blown away by these normal things. I think the the standard North American diet that we eat and mm -hmm. you start looking into the macronutrients of things and it, it can be like very jolting. Oh, for sure. Like Starbucks drinks. Oh my God. Oh like, boy. I love them, but, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have them often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I think when people, you know, start to track their like regular Starbucks drinks and they're like, that is like the equivalent to like a meal. I'm like, yeah, that's, this is why people cannot lose weight. And they're, if they're constantly drinking like a venti, whatever, caramel macchiato every day. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that does bring us nicely into the 80, 20 rule. Let's, uh, hmm. let's hear about that. Yeah. So, um, this is kind of a guideline that I give my clients when we start. So we stick to the 80, 20 rule, which means I want you to structure your meals with 80% whole foods, very nutritious and nothing prepackaged. And then 20% you can have for like that wiggle room, those like fun treats that you want. So maybe it's like a piece of chocolate. Maybe it's like, you want to incorporate your Starbucks drink, right? That can be part of your 20%. So my, the reason why I do that is because it shouldn't just be like you eat strict, healthy, like, you know, chicken, rice, broccoli, every meal until the weekend. And then we're going to have a cheat meal. I want people to have balance all throughout the week. So they're able to incorporate that and get used to that. So again, when they're done tracking macros, that's kind of just in their everyday uh, routine, basically. So, so yeah, the 80, 20 rule kind of helps people balance things out a little bit more and making sure that people have that focus on mostly whole foods first ensures them that um, they're going to be you know, healthy throughout the week, but still having that balance with those little fun snacks. I love it. And I like, I eat a piece of chocolate every single day. That's kind of my non-negotiable. I've definitely moved to dark chocolate, but that's just something that just really fills me up. And I look forward to in the day. And I think that rule and the way that you teach it just is shattering diet culture, right? Because when you can include those things and still be hitting your goals, then 
then it's like, well, that whole system doesn't make sense now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there comes a time where maybe you do have to be like a lot more structured, let's say like a competition prep when I have clients like they, you know, when they're three weeks out for a show, they're not on that 80-20 rule. They're strictly whole foods, right? Um, But if you're like a general population client, there's no reason why you can't incorporate those things and still reach your goals, right? So, um, so yeah, I love to do that. And I'm the same. I freaking love dark chocolate, like the lint dark I think it's like salted dark 85 oh yeah yep oh my yeah so good I actually found this sugar-free dark chocolate at um a Christmas market and it's so good but they're like in some tiny town somewhere in Alberta that I'm never gonna go to so I got to see if they sell them in stores or somewhere yeah that's the worst when you find something at a farmer's market you're like well I guess I'll never see this again (laughs) I know I should have bought like six, but yeah. that's the thing. Then I would have eaten them. But <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I would love to hear about um, kind of what macro tracking looks like for you right now and your current re- uh, workout routine. Yeah. So uh, we actually just changed our um, workout routine this week. I've been working out with my husband a lot, which has been super fun. Previously, we never got to because I was like on my strict program with competing. So now we can train together. and It's been really fun. But um yeah. So right now, um, we just changed it. So we're training three times a week and then, um, twice a week, we're actually training hit cardio because we're trying to build up our, our endurance. Uh, yeah. And previous to this week, when we, before we changed things, we were literally just working out when we felt we wanted to we're still having a little bit of a structure. It was between three to five times per week, kind of only in the gym, like 45 to 60 minutes, making sure we're still resistance training, obviously, and then doing um, steady state cardio. And it's been working really good for both of us. But then we just wanted to try to shift and have a little bit more of a challenge this week. Um, and then in terms of nutrition, um, I've just been focusing on eating lots of protein. So I have a protein goal that I hit, and then I can kind of be a little bit um, like I kind of have some wiggle room with my carbs and fats right now. Um, and I have my calorie goal that I want to hit for myself, um, just so that I can make sure that I'm staying reasonable within things. But like I said, I'm flexible with my carbs and fats. So normally I'm having my protein pancakes in the morning. My pre-workout will be usually like, um, either like an omelet with some fruit or it'll be rice, chicken, avocado, something like that. Post-workout, either a smoothie or I'll have my chicken or rice. Um, and then dinner, I usually do, which I'm loving right now, I'll have squash, ground beef, goat cheese, and guac on top, which sounds Yum. so weird, but it's <laughs> it so good. good. It's so good. And then I'll probably have like a piece of dark chocolate or something like that. Um, and that's kind of what I've been sticking with. Again, since I've been tracking for a really long time, I'm, I'm able to kind of do these things without having to track super heavily. I might structure my week on like a Monday and I just kind of follow that throughout the week. And then if there's a little bit of flexibility within that, like we have donuts midweek, or, you know, I want to have a higher carb meal one day because we go for sushi or something. I kind of just estimate that. Um, so I have a little bit of freedom, but I'm still a little bit structured. So, so yeah, I'm not strict, strict tracking right now, but, uh, but yeah, I'm just kind of going with the flow and doing, listening to my body a lot, which has been nice. Amazing. I think we all need to do that a little bit more, but sometimes we need help and learning how to listen to those cues again, because, um, especially when you've been in a constant fight or flight stress state, um, those cues aren't actually going to be telling you the the right things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's the biggest process is like learning how to listen to your body. It's a slow process. 
Um, but it's so worth it in the, in the long run. It might not be exactly where you want to be at the beginning, but learning to listen to your body and slowing down with things is so beneficial. I think that's what makes you rich, honestly, like having that, that self awareness and, and, and intuitiveness with yourself. That's, that's the wealth to me. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And you know, what's so funny is like the, the less pressure I was putting on myself to diet a certain way and to hit a certain, um, you know, certain cardio in the gym and look a certain way, the more my body has responded, which has been so funny, the the less, <laughs> the less I've been doing, the more my body has been responding in a positive way. So that's been really nice for me as well. It's just goes to show that that stressed out nervous system is not doing you any good. And sometimes you need to take a step back a little bit. And I know you've been on your own kind of quest for balance and wholeness. So what does your self-care and lifestyle kind of look like to create that balance for yourself? Um, Okay, so I'm just getting back into my routine after being sick there two weeks ago, because that kind of threw me for a loop when it was like seven days of just like laying on the couch, (laughs) trying not to die. (laughs) Um, But um, so getting back into my routine this week is... uh, I really like to try to start my day off with a meditation if I have the time. Again, not putting pressure on myself because previously yep. when I would do meditation, I'd be like, I have to meditate every single morning for at least 10 <laughs> minutes. And then it was like, why am I pressuring myself? Like a practice that's supposed to like regulate my nervous system. I was like, right. but like I can't move this position until the 10 <laughs> minutes is up. And so now I wake up in the morning and I just listen to my body. I'm like, what do I have time for this morning? Is it a three minute meditation where I'm just focusing on my breathing or is it seven, 10, 15 minutes? So I wake up in the morning. I just figure out where I'm going to be. I rinse my face with cold water first. This is like my like non-negotiable do my meditation go downstairs, have my breakfast, um, have my coffee, do some emails. And then um, depending on where my workout schedules in the day, I'll go train or maybe it's later in the day. But the biggest thing that I've been doing lately is just not stressing out about having this is exactly what I'm doing every single day. And I have to get this done because I had to use this last year after competing of like breaking those habits of being all or nothing. So being okay with, I didn't make it to the gym today and that's okay, but maybe I was able to visit with a friend. Whereas previously I would be like, no, I can't hang out. Sorry. I have to get this workout in. So that's been kind of what's been finding balance for me is being okay. If something doesn't work in my program, basically. So it's been hard (laughs) reframing the way my brain works, but it's been so beneficial. I think it's been Uh, I think it's, that's, what's really helped my body kind of just lose a lot of the inflammation and calm my nervous system down is just being okay with not having to be like this. (laughs) My God, I can relate. Uh, There's that type a need to achieve things to feel worthy. Let's be real. Like, like I'm worth something because I've done X, Y, and Z. It's a super hard habit to break. And um, on our pre pre interview call, you said that I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, you guys just went out and got drunk and had a good time. So I think that's part of this balanced approach too, right? Because we want to exercise, we want to eat well, we want to yeah. reduce stress. But do you know what having fun sometimes means going to get trashed? Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. So that's been another thing for me is like, focusing on my connection with people and like making memories and having fun. And 
it's been so awesome because I've, I've also noticed that like my creativity has come back, which is something that when I was competing, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I used to be such a creative person. And I love like crafting and like tie dyeing and like painting and doing all these things. And I just, it was like, Oh, I guess I just, I'm not interested in that anymore. But what I realized was like, I was actually just kind of like numb a little bit. And now I feel like, because I'm like nurturing these different sides of myself, I'm like, saving room for play, which is a really big thing for me is like having fun and saving time for play, being present with people that I love and, uh, you know, going and helping people and, um, things like that has brought that creativity back in myself. And it's been so fun. So I think balance for me and like wholeness is like creativity, saving time for play, focusing on nourishing my body, but also saving time and like room for, uh, the fun things like having some drinks, having some donuts or chocolate or whatever, going on a date with my husband midweek for wings and not feeling like absolutely guilty about it afterwards. Um, One thing I actually talked about with him, it was like a few weeks ago, we went for wings and it was on a Thursday. And I remember sitting there with him being like, isn't this so weird? And he was like, what? And I was like, on a Thursday, I'm having wings and I am okay with it. Like, I'm not like absolutely upset about it right after we left. And in turn, my digestion after having something like that, I've noticed has been so much better because I'm not stressed about it. So that's right. been a really cool thing for me to notice. Previously, I would go out and I'd be so stressed about the meal that my guts would be like killing me for the next two days because I'm so worked up and stressed about having that meal that I, I thought that I shouldn't have, um, that it messed up with my digestion. And now because I'm not stressed about those things, my digestion has been so good. It's wild. Oh boy. I love that. (laughs) Like the whole gut brain axis, Mm -hmm. like that's something we're going to be getting into on this podcast. I have somebody who is a gut health specialist who's going to come on and talk because, um, yeah, like you said it, like you, your, your psychological state influenced your biology. And then you noticed when you changed it, your biology changed. Like that's, that's wild, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, one thing, one other thing that really helped me, uh, was I also this past year started going to therapy, which was like amazing, 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 amazing. Uh, it helped me to like really like deep dive, like more than I could have on my own. So that was something that also helped me find balance. I would say is going to therapy. I wanted to make sure that I didn't leave that out. (laughs) Oh, hundred percent. I mean, big advocate here. I've done my, done my rounds back in it now. And yeah, that's the thing, right? Even if you are an introspective person and you're taking these steps to better yourself and understand yourself, having that safe space to not be judged and to be heard and to explore these things are are really important. So I, I would I would advocate that everybody needs to go to therapy. Even yeah. if you think you're well, like you could you could probably benefit from it. Yeah. Agreed. And um I think it's just so funny how yeah we both have kind of come full circle in these experiences. We met when we were, you know, younger, more wild individuals, um, just partying a lot. And um, it's so beautiful to see how we're, we're both kind of on this journey of balance and, and health and what, what that really looks like. Yeah, I love it. It's actually so funny how it's full circle. Before I we hopped on today, I, that's what I posted on my story. I was like, it's just funny because me and Lexi know each other from like back in the day, originally when we were degenerates, we kind of met and now we've oh, kind of yeah. full circle <laughs> to like a whole different lifestyle. So <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. So I have this clothing closing question that I'm going to ask everybody. So what piece of wisdom can you offer our listeners as they embark on their quest for wholeness? 
I love this question so much. Um, so I think the biggest thing is to start small. I think there's so much information out there and so many different opinions. It can be really stressful and it can be overwhelming because you feel like you need to start 10 things at once. And the biggest thing with that, you're not going to stay with it. Um, and then you're just going to, you're going to fail, right? And and you don't want to feel like a failure. So the biggest thing is like, start small, pick one thing first that you want to improve on. That's going to improve your well-being. So that might be not in, not even health and fitness related. It could be mental, emotional, it could be financial. It could be whatever you feel like is going to help benefit you. Start with that, start small. Um, and then once you feel like you've gotten good at that, then add something else in. And then also just gratitude, I think is a really big thing. Um, being grateful for where you're at, where you're going, um, and be appreciative, like kind of the things that you have in your life, the more grateful you are for things, the more it's going to make you more excited. It's going to make you want to improve yourself more. And, uh, I think, I think gratitude's a big one. Um, and also save time for play. Don't forget to like be play. Don't take life so seriously <laughs> in your quest for wholeness. Like, I guess. But uh, yeah, I would say that's my biggest one is just start small. Um, choose one thing you want to improve on first and go from there. Um, I've been, uh, uh, I guess I've been bad for that in the past is like, okay, I'm going to start meditating for 10 minutes. And then I'm going to go for a 40 minute walk outside and I'm going to journal and I'm going to do this. And it's like, how do you get good at one of those things if you're doing everything at once, right? So just start small and then gain traction from there. And uh, don't be afraid to reach out for help. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cassie, you're such a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like we're going to have to do more of these conversations on kind of specific <laughs> topics because it's so exciting. It's awesome. So if anyone has any questions for you or wants to learn more about your services, where can they connect with you? I think um, the platform that I'm on the most is definitely just my Instagram, which is built by Cass underscore, I believe on Instagram. Um, you can DM me or uh, shoot me an email. My email link is right on there as well. And uh, in the link tree, I also have my website available. So you can check that out and uh, ask me any questions on the forum there too. Amazing. I'll link all that up in our show notes. And uh, you also have a code for Believe Supplements that's 15% off uh, do, with your yeah. code Cassie. I love Believe Supplements since uh, <laughs> you got me hooked on them, but they actually do third-party testing. And there's one of the only companies in Canada who do that. So they're transparent. They believe in what they're selling, hence mm -hmm. the name, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they just have good quality um, supplements. So yeah. use Cassie's code and you can get 15% percent off. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming on, Cassie. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this adventure today. If you're interested in learning more about holistic health or have topics that you'd like to hear on the show, connect with me over on Instagram at quest for wholeness podcast. That's all one word quest for wholeness podcast. I'll see you next time to continue our shared quest for wholeness.